10-5 touchdown, Arkansas State. Culver is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Amir, coast to coast, lays it home with the right hand, and he's fouled. Welcome to the Second to None podcast, the A-State podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And we welcome you in once again to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Matt and Brad with you. We have a special guest today, and we're taking a little bit of a different route, talking about a former A-State player, former A-State baseball player that has found a really cool way to give back. Colton Kibler going to be joining us a little bit later on. Lucky it worked out that way for him because really what got him on was being a noted second to none podcast listener. And we figured we didn't, <laughs> other than uh, you and I, we didn't know another one of those. So I thought, well, no, we, we got to set this guy down and see what makes him tick. Colton will be joining us here in the next few minutes. He was a baseball player with the Red Wolves back in the 2014 and 2015 campaigns. This season's Red Wolves still trying to get on track. A rough week last week, played four games on the road. And we went to Southern Illinois this past Wednesday to Itchy Jones Stadium. And they've done a good job with that place. I think it was six, seven years ago they put turf down at SIU. And they put in this press box, and it's a different kind of vantage point than any place we go to. It's a nice press box. It's really all you need. They've got a, a media area on the right side of it. Then they've got three glass partitions with the different booths. You get the three broadcasts, the visiting radio in the middle. Then to the left of where I sit, you've got the ESPN Plus broadcast and then the home radio next to that. And there's only five rows of chair backs between the backstop and the press box. Hmm. So you're almost at field level calling the game. And where I was sitting, I was directly behind home plate. So you don't have a better vantage point of balls and strikes. If you really wanted to get on the umpire, you actually had a pretty good case sitting in that spot. So well, There's no prerequisite for that. No, but but I, I was seeing the same thing the home plate umpire was. How good game did he have? It was okay. <laughs> it was okay. We we didn't agree on everything. SIU won the game six to five. The Red Wolves had the tying run at third in the top of the eighth. Couldn't get them in, and you know that's kind of been the story. You know, just those missed opportunities. And remember the final two games against Texas State the weekend before. Had a tying run at third in the latter innings and, and couldn't push him across. And it was the third straight loss by one run for the Red Wolves. It's the first time that had happened since 2011. You lose the game Wednesday, and then you've got a three-hour and 15-minute bus ride back. So they got in, and we started the game at 2, so they were back in by 9.30. But the team was back on the bus at 6 a.m. on Thursday, Mm -hmm. and they've got a bus all the way to Statesboro, Georgia, which by bus, you're talking 11, 12 hours. You know, they get there and went to the stadium at 8 o'clock that night, got a practice in, but after a a six-and-a-half-hour round trip 
the day before, that's a whole lot of bus time. Yeah, not very fun at all. And then you know, switch a time zone and ride all day, get get a little practice in. Now they're young, so it's not as physically demanding on them, but it's mentally taxing. That's a long time to sit in that bus seat. Well, when you have injured players too, you know, Kevin Wiseman's been battling this oblique injury, and and he didn't play at all this past week. He's the A State closer. Kaysen Tollett, the A State catcher, has been battling a hamstring issue. He didn't travel to SIU just so he didn't have to do that six and a half hour round trip on Wednesday and then ride with it on Thursday and look he he played Friday but he was unable to go Saturday and Sunday so you got some guys beat up there were a couple of guys sick over the weekend Jared Toler didn't play in the game Sunday Uh, he was sick and Cooper Trimmel had to leave the game early on Sunday because he was battling illness as well Carter Holt missed his Second turn, right? Yeah, he did. You know, he wasn't able to go as the Sunday starter. He's battling some tendonitis is really what it is, kind of the lower part of his uh, index finger. And he was unable to go. They're hoping to get him back next week. But they go to Georgia Southern, and Georgia Southern had really been playing well. They were number 11 in the RPI going into last week they'd got off to a slow start and think they were two and five to start the year and they've gone 15 and two since then this is one of those ballparks i love going to and there's so many good ballparks around our league but they've got this big monster in right field this 24 foot wall out there and it adds a lot of character to the park you think fenway park but it's a blue wall and it's in right and they've got the hand operated scoreboard built in And they had good crowds there all weekend long, but Friday night kind of reminded you of what we saw the weekend before against Texas State. They take a 4-2 lead into the bottom of the seventh, and Georgia Southern scores five times to come back and win that game. Yeah, it's just they're in bless-your-heart range because it's just like every day is a new way to get to the same result. It's either you hand the bullpen the lead and with the guys you want all set up and the wheels fall off or pitching staff is giving you a chance and you can't get the big hit or the pitching's okay, you've strung enough hits together, but the defense makes a couple errors. It's just whatever reason, now it's just happened where whatever it is, it can rotate through what it's been, but something happens that caused them to come up on the short end right now 13 times in a row. Yeah, and – yeah, you know, A-State has found themselves a really nice Friday night starter. Justin Medlin's been throwing really, really well. And he went out there through the first six innings, and he had struck out eight, which is a new career high for him. He had given up just two runs. And as 4-2 going to the bottom of the seventh, he gives up a walk and a double, leaves the game, and back-to-back RBI groundouts tied it up at four, so it's two outs, bases clear. The game's tied, but you should be able to get out of the inning from there. But Georgia Southern scored three times after that and wins the game 7-4. to four. It was all Georgia Southern on Saturday. They won 12-2. And then Sunday, probably the most heartbreaking loss that uh, I can remember in a long time. I mean, the, the Red Wolves, again, playing without all the guys that, that we talked about earlier. But Jacob Frederick... Uh, the left-hander who had a quality start in, in the spot start the week before after Carter Holt got hurt. He goes five innings, 
allows just two earned runs. Look, A-State has a lead. I mean, they they scored three times in the second inning on six singles. RBI single from Ben Klutz in the fourth, got a home run from Brandon Hager in the fifth. The A-State pitchers, you know, Frederick and then Tyler Jeans pitched the sixth and seventh. He left the tying run at third, stranded him in both the sixth and seventh innings. Brandon Anderson comes in. He leaves the tying run at third in the eighth inning. You get to the ninth. The Red Wolves are up one. You know, Brandon Anderson is still out there. You can't bring Kevin Wiseman in because he's hurt. You know, the leadoff man reaches. They bring in a pinch runner, and you pick him off. You're thinking, all right, this is our day. And then a fly (laughs) ball out to right after that. And there's two outs, and the bases are clear. And then they bring up their shortstop. And, you know, you get a 2-2 pitch that looked really, really good. And Tommy Raffo, who you've been around as long as I have, actually came out for the second time in as many innings and shouted something to the home plate umpire in disbelief. And you could tell that he was angry. And from my angle, right above home plate, and you know I'm not one to get on the umpires, but my goodness, I mean, the game should have been over. And it just wasn't. And it just snowballed. They tie the game with a, a bases loaded walk. And then the next pitch, bases loaded HBP in Georgia Southern wins. And mm. I was just, I mean, you're just devastated for these guys. They left it all on the field and just not able to find a way. You go back, you know, the last time I called one of their games was that first game against Texas state last weekend and it wasn't like that was different because it wasn't heartbreaking it was it just ticked you off and i I told you and giving you the kind of the rundown after it's been a long time since i've been that mad about a baseball game you punched the ceiling did you that's the word (laughs) now i don't know if i've ever done that but so this is a a different feel there uh yeah and then you got hit on the on the bus and they got a long ride back yeah Hopefully, the Red Wolves can break through this week. We'll preview the week ahead coming up a little bit later. But when we come back, Colton Kibler joins us in studio here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Joined now by former A-State baseball player and our good friend Colton Kibler. How you doing, Colton? Good. How are y'all? Good. I was talking with you as soon as you came into the building today, and you've made it known you're a podcast listener. You yeah. listen to the Second to None podcast, and you're feeling the pressure because Norshad. You've got to follow up <laughs> Norshad Omir from I'm, last week. I'm the least famous person you'll ever have on this podcast, <laughs> and I have to follow Norshad Omir. Well. We wanted you in because you've got a great story and you're a former A-State student athlete that has found a really cool way to kind of give back to your program, the baseball program at A-State. Now, I want to get into that here in just a little bit, but you're a lifelong A-State fan. 
Yes. What's I your do. What's your first memory of watching an Arkansas State athletic event? Oh, uh, probably mid '90s football. I'm assuming you probably remember what those days were like. I was at every game because mm. my grandfather ruined me from a young age. I'm a die-harder. I always have been, always will be. I'm going to ruin my kid just the same way they did to me. Good. And, uh, yeah, I've basically you say, do I remember any of it? I don't remember not being at any of it because I was brought to everything constantly. And there weren't, especially then, a lot of kids in that boat. Now, I think we've gotten a few more as you go through another generation, but, I mean – there weren't a lot of kids in, in those mid-90s that you you couldn't go into a classroom and see many kids wearing A-State stuff. There was no other colleges on my chest, that's for sure. I was bred a Red Wolves fan, Indians at the time, Yep. Broncos, die hard, and uh, Cardinals. And that's that's my teams till the day I die. I got those three. So, obviously, you were a fan growing up. Mm-hmm. Did you dream of one day playing a sport at Arkansas State? Well, you knew me in high school. I was five foot four, 118 pounds, maybe, if the scale was wrong. <laughs> so uh, my odds of playing at ASU, no, my actual uh, I've made it school was Southern Arkansas. That's, I thought that's the best I'll ever do, and that was my goal. And then I went and gained 60 pounds as a freshman in junior college. And then when that opened up, Raffo called me one time. I said yes, and there was no changing my mind. I <laughs> I had no shot of playing at ASU ever. It's, of course, my dream school. I actually hung up on him when he called me and offered me to come play because I got so excited. I was on a ski trip with my family, and he told me that, and I dropped the phone, hung up on him, and dropped it back behind the couch. And you're like, shoot, my, yeah, my well, there that goes. offer is revoked. I hung yeah. up on the head coach. Yes. There's no way he's going to sign me now. Yeah, there's no chance. But, yeah, he made the mistake of signing me, and, of course, I took it, and I took that roster spot and ran with it. So who helped you know, get you from Valley View to Garden City? Uh, it was my only chance to play college baseball was Garden City because Coach John Berge, for some reason, vouched for me. I was going to play center field. And they let me go up there. They found out really early on I couldn't hit. They told me, I can't steal first base. You're going to have to figure out something else. So I started pitching. <laughs> now I never pitched before. You, you didn't pitch at all at Valley none, View. No, none. I, I forgot about inning, that. Maybe an inning just when we were up by 30. I remember you. And obviously, we'll get into your A-State career here in a minute. But did you drop down to sidearm right away? Because you, you threw sidearm. Yeah. When you got to Arkansas State. No, I actually threw straight over the top at 81 miles an hour. I was blown up by people. And I wasn't in very good arm shape because I hadn't been pitching. And I actually got hurt. And uh, I was still trying to do a little bit of outfield. And I was out there throwing sidearm because my arm was sore. And the pitching coach, I still remember it like it's yesterday, marched over to me when I was throwing sidearm. And uh, he said, Where's that? And I go, I don't know. I'm just sore slinging it. He goes, one second. Ran inside and got a radar gun. And from over the top, I was 81. And from the side, I was throwing 87, just me whipping it. He grabbed me by the collar because the position players threw on the left field line. Pitchers were on right field. He grabbed me by the collar, drugged me over there, and I never touched a bat again. That was it. That was it. Yeah, I'm a pitcher now. How'd this weight gain thing happen? Just naturally the lifting weights the first time the, the freshman 60 yeah freshman 60 yeah Colton i went to 170 pounds well so garden city 
no one listening to this podcast is going to know where that's at. There's nothing to do there. And I got addicted. This is Kansas. Kansas. Yeah, I got addicted to baseball. Like, it was a problem. My parents had questions of why, because my dad is a wrestler, not a big he, baseball He never guy. was into baseball. Still, until to this day, does not like it. Well, I, I think he was into it when you were playing. He would show up when I pitched, yeah. He would. <laughs> Actually, fun story about that is, as a closer, he, it was the best day in the world when I was put as closer. He would drive by the ballpark on the way home from work, he would drive by in like the seventh inning, and if we were up three runs or less, he would pull in, and if we weren't, he would go home. <laughs> <laughs> That's my dad. Love him to death. Super supportive, but he wasn't going to watch baseball if his son wasn't playing. So you came to Arkansas State, really solid career. 2014 as a junior, 30 appearances, which was Two away from tying the school record for single-season appearances, an ERA of 2.41. And then the next year as a senior, 29 appearances, and he led the team in saves with five. I was at Georgia Southern this past weekend, and I had a memory from when you pitched at Georgia Southern. And I'll tell you right now, and I'm sure Brad's probably the same way here, I don't remember... 99% of the games I've ever called. Most of the time you call it and you forget it, especially with baseball. There's just so many of them. There's some that stand out, but I remember the series opener at Georgia Southern back in 2015, and it's one of the most memorable games I've ever been around. And the Red Wolves win 3-1 to in 13 innings, and they set a school record with 21 strikeouts in that game. You remember who started on the mound? No idea. Tyler Zuber. Of course, Zuber did. Zuber started. He went seven innings, but he struck out the first 11 batters he faced. I do remember that game. Yeah. He ended up with 13 strikeouts in seven innings. Colton Lee comes in. He threw an inning and a third, and he struck out three. And then you come in, throw four and two-thirds, no-hit innings, Strike out five, and you end up winning three to one in 13 innings. Again, I don't remember a lot of games, but that one I remember. Yeah, I bet you would remember that. I do not remember it at all. You don't remember you don't, that game? I don't remember it at all. No, well, I, t- I don't. Tell me tell me one you remember. Well, I remember there's two that I remember, both for bad reasons, if that makes sense. I don't remember any of the good stuff for some reason. I guess I'm just wired like that. One was Georgia State after I had to drive down there with you, Matt. Uh-huh. Be- you had to. Well, I had to take a test, so I didn't get to take the team bus down. So I rode with him, and we ate peach pies halfway through, and it was better than any bus ride ever because I got to sprawl out in a truck. This this is one of the rare instances, and I remember two times where something like this happened. I had to take one of our pitchers down to Monroe one time because Coach Raffo called and said, hey, he had a test. It, it was something similar, and then the same thing with you. And it was the first significant time that you and I had ever yeah. really spent together, and we made the drive together all the way to Atlanta. And you remember stopping for Peach Pies? Peach Pies, yeah, at a gas station. Okay. Good now, see, pies. I don't remember that. I remember the Georgia Southern game. I don't remember the, yeah, that's a, So the what peach happened pies. in the game that wasn't good? Oh, well, it wasn't that it was not good. Someone laid down a bunt down the first baseline. I jump off the mound and go dive. And I catch the ball. I get the out. But apparently, I gave myself whiplash on the ground and knocked myself out. So I hop up. 
remember Coach Dickinson was the pitching coach at the time. Yeah. I He goes, are you okay? Let's throw some warm-up balls. My first one, halfway up the backstop. The second <laughs> one, about 12 feet in the ground, and he pulled me. I woke up about 15 minutes later doing ball drills off the wall like, okay, what just happened to me? And they said, hey, you made a great play, but you were not able to stay in that game. <laughs> I think I kind of remember that, too. But I remember that was the first time I think I ever felt old on that trip because we made we got in the car to go to Atlanta that day. And Colton looks at me and says, yeah, I grew up listening to you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He grew up listening to me. And I thought, well, all right, I'm I'm officially I'm officially old now. I was telling somebody this actually, I think just last week over in the office, you know, when I. When I started, I think I was 26. And so my first women's basketball season, you know, Brooke Shelby is a kid from Paragould who was a senior. So, I mean, I knew her. I'd covered her in high school. She was my my little brother's age. So, I mean, like, you know, I'm here. I'm 26, and these seniors are 22. So, you know, I, I talk probably more to the players than anybody. But as it kept going on, like, I kept getting older, and, and they didn't. They just kept staying 18, 19, 20, and – Eventually, if you, you get to there where all of a sudden you're old and they're still 18 to 22. Yeah. But to answer your question, the second one was just goofy because when you're in the act of playing, you're just kind of locked in, and I have contacts. So I I lost a contact at SIU, and I'm looking in at Stuart Levy. I'm never going to shake that man off. He's the best catcher ever to come through Arkansas State. I would never shake him off. He's forgotten more baseball than I'll ever know. So – sitting there looking, and he gives me pickoff in my eyes. So I said, yes, sir, come set, pickoff. Uh, there's a guy on second. There's nobody on first, so the first baseman's not there. So thank goodness the right fielder goes and gets it. The guy stops at third. I'm like, okay, well, that was weird. So I get back up there again. He gives me the same sign, same thing. I'm locked in. I picked off twice to first with nobody on base, and the guy scored. Because uh. I, I was seeing the sign, and in my head I'm like, yes, sir. And I just made the pickoff. And my first baseman, which was Zach George, just looked at me like, what are you doing? And all I could do was say, I don't know, honestly. I have no idea what's happening up here. You had a good career, though. Yeah, and overall, yeah. At Arkansas State, you pitch your your final two years of your career uh, as a Red Wolf for the school you grew up rooting for. Yeah, it's a dream come true. And afterwards, you go into business, and your family is one of my favorite families I know you, you have a family that, that has done well in business as well. Medic One, Construction Network, and most recently, Tommy's Express Car Wash, which Sorry. now in a couple of different places in Jonesboro. But you know, one thing that you wanted to do with that business, and I know you're in charge of Tommy's now. What's your official title? I'm president. Actually, the phone call I just took out there, I just got officially named president of Advanced Washington. Well, this is breaking hey, news. Yeah, yeah, breaking news. I was president. acting president, but now I'm officially president of Advanced Wash Network, which runs the Tommy's. Well, congratulations. Thank you. That's great. You wanted to give back and... Through Tommy's, you found a way to do that, giving back to the A-State baseball program. So what ended up happening was the bullpen in right center field. Was that always the vision for you? So Tanner Kirby, I was warming up, and he was supposed to be watching to make sure a ball doesn't hit me while I'm warming up back in the playing days. And I'm sure he was looking at his future wife in the stands or something like that and was distracted. And someone hit a foul ball, and it whizzed right by my head, 
And I told myself, I believe that was my senior year, I said, if I ever have the means to where I can give back, this place is getting a bullpen to make it look like an adult baseball stadium because this is scary over here. So we uh, had a good year last year, and we were going to put one in because it was my whole dream to give back. And honestly, it ended up even better help with help from Coach Raffo and the new pitching coach. I know him by AD. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan Dunn. Yeah. Alan Dunn, great guy. With them putting their input on it, I think we came up with not only a nice bullpen for a college baseball stadium, but I feel like it'd be a nice one for any minor league team on down to the college ranks. It's Oh, gosh, yes. It's I wish we would have had it back when I was there. I've always wanted to put it in. We finally had the ability to actually do it. Did Coach Raffo know that was you know, a dream of yours before you came to him and said, hey, we're at a position to do it? I don't know if I'd really told anybody. Actually, the people who I played softball with, Casey Vaughn and Zach Patterson, also ex-A-State guys, and they brought it up to me one day that, hey, we should do that and because I was talking with them, and they talked me into actually doing it. So the bullpen, you can actually thank for Zachary Patterson, who still works up at A-State Athletics, mm-hmm. and uh, Casey Vaughn, who just moved on, but – both of them good friends of mine. And, yeah, it just kind of got the wheels rolling. I had to stop talking about it and actually do something about it. And we, we did, and it was amazing. Alan Dunn was on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he was talking about it. And he's you know, a guy that's been in professional baseball for 20 years, was at LSU for, for 10 years as a pitching coach there. And he just talked about what a game changer it is. And having four mounds, I've, I've never heard of a bullpen with four mounds, and he said he really hadn't either. So you had the vision. They put it in. When you saw the the final product, was it more than you even expected? Oh, yeah. Because at first it was just normals, two mounds. And then Coach Raffle said, well, what about if we could make it a little bit bigger and put in four so during practice we can get more things done in a shorter amount of time? I said, sure, that's great. And then – Coach Dunn said, well, if we make it go further back, we can put a plyo wall and we can do video recording off of there. So it ended up getting wider and longer and putting concrete in and turf in it. And it just went from this small idea to something that I think for years to come will be great for A-State baseball. Also, and I never realized this, would have never thought it till I saw it happen. You changed the ballpark because we've already seen a ground rule double hit the warning yeah. track and bounce into the bullpen. First ground rule double yep. I've ever seen bounce over the wall at that place. That was my only selfish thing I did. I did that because I'm a short human being. I'm 5'8", thanks, Dad. So that's what I have to work with. So I cut it down because every ballpark, my elbows are up above and I can't look. So I actually measured that to be comfortable for me to lean on it. So that's why it's cut down like that to four foot six, because that's my comfortable leaning height. Sorry, tall people. You're going to have to deal with that because I cut that for short people like me. It's four foot six. Four foot six leaning on top. Okay. Well, I mean, it came out great. Oh, yeah. It's as nice of a bullpen as you'll ever see. And now we're starting to see the blueprints. And they've come out here in the last couple of months to the rest of the renovations mm-hmm. at Tomlinson Stadium. And I'm I'm sure as a former player and already being a part of some improvements at the stadium, that's going to make you excited. Oh, I'm so excited for that. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great place to watch a baseball game, which any fanatic, even if you just want to bring your six-year-old out there to watch a game, it's going to be a great place to watch a, a ball game with great sight lines. 
it's going to be one of the better stadiums in the Sun Belt, and that's going to be awesome to have here in Jonesboro. Local kid, you grew up with Arkansas State as your dream school, and genetics had to kick in with a growth spurt to, to <laughs> yeah. make that possible. We talked about all the family businesses. I mean, people know, I mean, circumstances may have dictated which one you end up running, as you, hmm. you mentioned today. But coming up, do you ever have any doubt you'd end up in – in the family business some way or another? Well, my dad told me if I worked hard enough, I could be anything I wanted to be. So I was going to be the Denver Broncos quarterback, personally. That's what I was going to be. I didn't quite work out, but not really. I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, it just kind of started going that way when I graduated. Well, actually, my last semester of college, I wasn't playing baseball anymore. So I went and worked at a trucking company and just kind of started dipping my foot in businesses then I went to work for Medic One, sent me up to St. Louis. It just kind of kind of flowed that way. There was no promise to work at the family business. It's not really how my family is wired. You have to earn it. Like, I wasn't allowed to work there until I worked somewhere else. It just worked out like that. And I got the opportunity to do it, and I'm super appreciative of that, but I never expected it, no. You couldn't work there until you worked somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, I had to prove that. I wasn't going to mess awesome. it up. That's awesome. I guess. Yeah, I you'll mean, make all your mistakes with somebody, somebody else's else business. Money, yeah. and come back, <laughs> come back yeah. when you've learned something, <laughs> yeah. and then you can work. When for you us. can actually, and I was a coffee boy basically for the first two years. I was just <laughs> trying to drink up as much as I could. I had no idea what I was doing, just like everybody else. Yeah, it was, it's been a great ride. Hopefully, we can just keep her going. Well, congratulations on all the success. Couldn't be happier for you, and and the fact that you've been able to give back to the program you love so much. It is really, really cool. And I'll get you out of here with this. I asked Alan Dunn the same question. Do you call it an arm barn now, or is it the Tommy's Express car wash bullpen? You know what? You can call it whatever you want. As long as those guys come out of it and throwing mid-90s and striking people out, I don't care what you call it. <laughs> That's <laughs> the only requirement for you. Yeah, yeah I, I would go bullpen. I guess I'm a traditionalist, but arm barn is funny. I could do get a kick out of that. Uh, it is, yeah. I think that one's an arm bar. We need to get it painted on the side, don't we? I'll, I'll start working on that. <laughs> Colton, we appreciate you coming in, buddy. This has been fun. Hey, it's been a great time. Thank you all for inviting me. That's Colton Kibler joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Looking back at this past weekend, we, we looked at what the baseball team did, but congratulations to some of our track and field athletes, and they continue to roll. Carter Shell became the second long jumper in A-State history this past weekend to surpass the 8-meter mark. He jumped 8.06 meters, which is 26 feet, 5.5 inches, at the Clyde Littlefield Texas Relays. That was in Austin. And it came out Monday morning that Carter Shell is now ranked number one in the NCAA, number one in the United States, and he's number five in the world in the long <laughs> yeah, jump. Yeah, how about that? 
He, How about that? He won the double at the Sun Belt uh, indoor meet. You know, won the long jump and the triple jump, and yeah, he's obviously locked in the zone right now. Interesting young guy whose whose dad, by the way, was a track athlete, at Arkansas State. Even played a year of football at Arkansas hmm. State. Shelby Melvin winning the 400-meter hurdles. Cameron Newton-Smith winning the women's long jump. Bennett Pascoe, our buddy Bennett, winning the 1,500 meters as well. So a good weekend for those athletes. Congrats to A-State Tennis. They get a win at home over the weekend. They defeated Appalachian State 4-1. to And it's a big week ahead for the A-State bowling team because – they're currently number five in the college bowling RPI rankings, and they're going to find out their NCAA tournament fate coming up Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Yeah, you know, they uh, didn't have a really long trip necessarily to the Southland Conference Championship, but from what you hear, nothing that they have thought should have hurt their RPI, so they were five going in and I mean, obviously, feel good enough about the, their prospects of getting in that they're doing a watch party that's open to the public with fans, uh, to fans on Wednesday. Yeah, watch party inside the Woodard McAllister Family Club area at Centennial Bank Stadium. Always a cool place to hang out. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, 16 teams are getting in this time. That hasn't always been the case. Hasn't it been eight in the past? Yeah, up till. Uh, recently it's this is not the first year but it was eight forever i mean and they just kept getting more and more programs but would never expand the the national tournament so 16 teams get in four different regional sites and then the winners of those four regionals will all get together for the national championship final four huh final four you've got a bowling final four now well and and if and when they get in this will be 14 trips in a row for the A-State bowling team to the NCAA tournament. And the last 12 under Justin Kostick now. All but maybe the first year or two of the program. I mean, that it wasn't any more than that. Then the first time they went, they made it to the championship match. So this program has literally done everything you can do but win the national championship. Runner-up last season, so hopefully they, yep. they call that other one Big Sister. So hopefully this is your Big Sister finally comes to Jonesboro. The Ace Day baseball team will return home this week. In fact, seven of the next eight are at Tomlinson Stadium starting Tuesday night. They'll take on Central Arkansas, 6 o'clock the first pitch for that one. Hopefully the Red Wolves can end the losing streak against an in-state opponent. And then Coastal Carolina comes to town, team that was a national champion here in the last handful of years, and always a huge test, but they'll be in here and take on the Red Wolves Friday at 6, Saturday at 6, Sunday at 1. I don't know. i, I got to have a conversation with somebody about this Saturday at 6 business. <laughs> this is WrestleMania yeah. weekend. And it's not always the case. I don't know. I'll have to get to the bottom of it, too. I don't, I don't understand. Well, the Final Saturday Four is going on, too, but mostly it's WrestleMania Saturday. So it caused me a pretty significant tape delay. So is this uh, part of your rant this week? or Oh, I guess so, because I really hadn't thought much about it. So I guess that could be it. Yeah, that, you need to run <laughs> these start times by me. Because Saturday at 6, not the best this week. I mean, but Sunday at 1, I, that's no big deal. You're going to be done in plenty of time for the Sunday WrestleMania. And I'm going to take this in a completely different direction, sort of. One of the best things that's happened over the course of the last couple of years is during basketball season we've gone to the afternoon start times on Saturdays and I think that's worked out really well in the past it used to be 
7 o'clock Saturday night. My thought was always, okay, these teams want to get out of town, number one. The road teams do. I never like it when you have to call Saturday night game on the road. At the same time, people have plans on Saturday night. I think Saturday afternoon home games are a good thing. And I think that's been really good since they moved to it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I don't know, it doesn't matter, right? They, they can play whatever time they want to play. But I really feel like in basketball's case, and, and certainly probably baseball's too, the fans that are going to come are coming, right? I mean, they're coming. Sure. If you play at 10 in the morning or 10 at night, they're coming. And, and quite honestly, I feel like you may be a little bit more likely to just kind of get a passerby in the afternoon than you are playing on Saturday night. I agree, though. If you're coming to the game, most likely you're going to come. That's right. No matter what time it starts. It's been another fun episode. Thanks again to Colton Kibler for hanging out with us this week. For Brad, I'm Matt. You've been listening to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.